welcome to 12 Rays Back, where we bring you footy from the fans' perspective. Uh, my co-host is away on a nice rolling break. Uh, good to get out of the way before a big deal for his Saints. Uh, he'll be riding that one up and down as he always does, of course. Uh, I thought I'd just check in and, and talk to those of you on the 13th row and beyond. See how you're doing. Catch up. I'd, I'd love to talk footy, but there's not a lot of news. There's a few injuries here and there. Uh, you know, you're trying to avoid hearing that sort of stuff. There's blokes flying, having their best preseason ever, which is great. But let's be frank: who really knows if any of that's true? And that's not. It's not a new phenomenon. Uh, and it's a captain season. So uh, West Coast have announced their leadership group today. Sydney have announced Kennedy stepping back uh, from his position as one of the three co-captains, suggesting a leadership group and. You know, their announcements that it's a really, really good bit of content the club can put out. You know, the diehards will read it, click on it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's good. Kennedy, he's done really good. But, you know, Callum Mills will step up. You know, I'm telling you, Sydney fans will start talking about it. He's not, from what I recall, he's not a similar player to Paul Kelly. But Paul Kelly was named captain at 24 and he was was tough as nails from what I remember. Uh, So... You know, that's the sort of stuff that's happening. Not a whole lot. One thing, and I'd love to know the answer to this, is why clubs are being so coy around injuries at this time of year. Uh, You know, the full story's not out there, and they're pretty bad through the year, but come on, we're six weeks away from the first game. You can sit blokes out from practice games with no troubles, you know, no issues to weather, uh, the speculation and that sort of stuff. I just can't understand why why it's just not crystal clear where everyone's at uh but look that's that's footy we are just just a machine it's a machine at the minute players to be robots all that sort of stuff uh which actually brings me the first thing first thought i've had so if you're lucky enough to watch any of the tennis there was a lot going on here in melbourne at the australian open we had the Djokovic saga and and willie won't get in the country and he got in the country landed but then swiftly got taken and told his visa was denied and he appealed and there was a basically money was talking but didn't talk enough or it wasn't enough money to sway the the politicians who made Djokovic a bit of an example put that to one side we had that happening then we had the the tournament start and and you know Nick Kyrgios is a polarizing figure no matter which way you look at it I think and always have thought he's box office entertainment and look he hasn't really set the world on fire in terms of quarterfinals semifinals finals and grand slams but he's been entertaining for whatever ride you can watch and uh he's him and his friend thanasi kokonakis made a real mockery of the doubles scene because they've come along and won that grand slam but that was one of the most entertaining things that was must watch tennis I i was tuning into that i wasn't too worried about you know the men's signals or the women's like I really wanted to watch those two because it was entertaining. And they weren't robots. You know, there's it, a big difference. I don't answer to a club. There's no footy club behind them. They're not representing a badge like we do in the AFL. That enabled them just to really show some personality and and have some fun. And, and you know, ultimately, they brought people through the doors and got people watching. And that's one of the biggest challenges for sports across the entire world. We live in a little bubble here in Melbourne, as I have talked about so many times. But my my point is, we need to we need to expanding the bubble. 
So we need teams in Sydney and Queensland to really start having players show some personality and bring people through the gates and and have some fun. And at the moment, if you show any sort of personality, you're out. If you uh, the clubs putting on the entertainment, every club does their own version of this watered down pre-game, post-game, in-game sort of entertainment. There's nothing new. There's no innovation. They really need. They really need something. The clubs need to. They need someone who's going to look at it from a different perspective and go, "Yep, I'm actually going to put winning premierships and winning games to one side and let someone else deal with that." It's still important, but. I'm going to let the the coach and the footy department work with that, and I'm going to go the complete opposite way and go. Yep, players, I want personality. Don't care, so long as you're not obviously crossing social lines. You, you can come and say whatever you want. Just fire up your opponents, talk them down. Just start doing some of that sort of stuff. Like they interviewed Kokonakis and Curios at one point, and they were talking about whether it was easy or hard, and and. Kokonakis started giving the real I guess the media trained straight answer which which is fair enough like I understand why he'd sort of revert to that and Kyrgios goes oh well actually it has been pretty easy and he laughed it off like he wasn't trying to insult them but at the same time he was like mm, it's not too bad and he sort of uh, ultimately they made a mockery of doubles tennis because some of these guys they play doubles and that's all they do because they're not good enough at singles but they work as a team and it's like yep I think the best doubles players in the world couldn't hold their own against, you know, the top 50 in singles by the looks of things, and I'd have to dive into that further, but it it was really good, and I think it needs to translate into our sport in terms of helping it grow. We're too focused. The, the media is a boys' club. Too focused on this ex-player and that ex-player, and then, oh, you know, popping up on this show is another person who was an ex-player, and it's all kept in that bubble. And they're not offering anything new. There's nothing exciting. It's just the same old, same old stories. And they tell, they can tell war stories, but most of them either you've heard before, you've heard someone else tell almost the exact same story, or they're not actually telling you anything. They're sort of giving you a watered-down version, and there's no insight. And it's just, it'll change over time, but at the moment we've just got our... Oh, I was going to say something a bit rude, but we're just so stiff and rigid. And if anyone crosses the line or goes out out outside of the the, the line outside of their lane, they get smacked right back into it. There's a big outrage, and I'm I'm ready for that to change. And I'll I'll do my best to tell you how, how I see it and how it is. But I don't think the mainstream media or the clubs or the players are ever going to start doing it anytime soon. But I just thought it was interesting that it hit me because tennis is individuals; they can say and do what they want they still have a brand to uphold and everything else but i'm telling you some of the kids don't care for that straight down the line you know politically correct well within these four walls sort of answers the kids they'll come through the gate because you're giving them something so i'm interested to see how that changes over the next 10 20 30 years but we can certainly we could certainly be doing more and giving more access and, and letting players out of their shell, so to speak. So the, the other thing I've, I've took great enjoyment out of was, uh, was actually last weekend. Yeah, we had the conference championships. 
uh, sorry, we had the divisional round of the NFL into the conference championships, and we just had upsets galore. In the divisional round, three games were decided on the last play of the game, and the fourth one went to overtime, and it was just absolutely insane, those endings. Now, I'm not talking about overtime or anything like that in the AFL. The parity in the NFL is absolutely amazing right now. The teams are... It just literally haven't given Sunday. Some teams are playing really well, looking great. Kansas City, you've got Patty Mahomes setting all these sorts of records for young players. Uh, he's won a Super Bowl, he's won an MVP, 50 touchdowns. Like, look up his records, look up his stats, and he stacks up after four or five years against some of the all-time greats. And you've got the Cincinnati Bengals, who, for all intents and purposes, are a bit like a Fremantle, like... And that's no disrespect, but that's just Fremantle have had almost no success. Fremantle have had more success recently than the Bengals have. Like, let's put it that way. And yet, somehow, the Bengals drafted quarterback two seasons ago. He hurt his ACL last year. He's driven them all the way, and they're in the Super Bowl this year. It is unbelievable. I'd say even the most diehard Cincinnati fans didn't believe it and may have cashed out of a bet of them winning the division, but... It was just, it was stunning. But the, th- the thing was, you, you couldn't have picked it coming into the year. Even as through the playoffs, it was so hard to pick. But it was just neck and neck, back and forth. And that's what we're striving for in the AFL. It's not to say we, we're not making strides towards it. I actually think the last couple of years have been a lot better and the teams at the bottom have been slightly more competitive. Uh, and, the, and the final series as well, I think with all the buys they're putting in and everything else, it's giving teams more rest and allowing more game to, time to game plan and everything else. And we're ending up with some, I guess it's not just your top four who are playing off in week one of the finals and then week three of the finals and then the winners of those last two games play off in the grand final. We're seeing more from fifth, sixth, seventh, you know, pushing through and winning two finals. It still... I still think they need to open it up through free agency and this insane thing we have about uh, being one club players, uh, you know, drafting a kid and expecting to have you the rights for the next six, seven, eight, nine years. Like, I really think they need to come down on that and just let the good clubs make good decisions with their list. If the bad clubs want to offer big long contracts and lock players in or do that sort of stuff, let him go and do it. But no, I just think there should be a lot more freedom and player movement and to make the league a little bit more exciting. Uh, and that's not to say, you know, if you draft a kid and you get him in a good situation, even if you're up in Brisbane or over in Perth and they're from Melbourne, get him set up, get him some sort of, not part-time work, get him studying, get him doing this, get do that. Uh, you can build them up and get them comfortable and settled and keep them playing footy at your club. If you're not able to do that, well, that's on you. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that goes this year in terms of parity across the league. It's a real key thing for the AFL and, and obviously something they've tried for with the salary cap and, and the draft and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, it, it's, it, it'd be personally awful if North have another two, three, four, five years of just being terrible while... You know, Geelong sit up there at the top and, and keep playing off in grand finals and prelims and stuff like that. It's not good for anyone. Uh, but 
I think mixing up the teams in the finals would be really good if you know we can get more than one team dropping out and one team coming in. If we get three, four, five dropping out and changing, that's when you start to see that the parity really is there. But it's it's up to the clubs. The well-run clubs seem to be able to do it. The poorly run clubs can't quite crack in. And there's too much emphasis on list profile and age group and expectation. Um, I think I think some of these clubs are going to have to start not doing away with playing the kids and bringing kids in, but don't worry about investing so much in kids who you've picked in the third round at pick. Is that going to be pick 52? Like... It's not as important. Go and get a body off off the out of the VFL, the Sample. You know, he's twenty four, he's got eight years of footy in him. If he can play, put him in. You'd be amazed at how much better some of those clubs who are sitting down with the kids. You'd be amazed at how much better a North Melbourne could be if they just I guess didn't just play all their kids this year. I reckon that could be a huge difference. It may work out, it may not. I just I think some of these 18-year-old kids are not not going to be ready and, and clubs have been too happy to just sit down, sit down the bottom. I'm hoping my club can buck the trend and not sit down the bottom for as long as, as others, but, you know, it remains to be seen. With so much youth, with our number one most important player probably missing for at least half, if not all the year in Cunnington, uh, it could be another another rough long, long year. Uh which brings me to one of my, my final thoughts. Uh, and again, a little NFL-based, but I've, I've sort of been looking out of the scope because the news in, in Melbourne is just not not there. There's not footy news. It's it's sort of fluff news trying to get us through to those first preseason games. Tom Brady's retired. You know, he's the greatest NFL player of all, of all time. There is absolutely no question about this. You could walk up to anyone on the street in America and unless they're a Brady hater, they will tell you he's the best that's ever played the game. And I think it's actually really simple to sum up why. He's won seven championships with two different clubs, the Patriots and the Buccaneers. But he's also got the most passing touchdowns, the most passing yards, the most playoff touchdowns, the most this, the most that, played the most games won the most games, won the most division title. Like, there's just an endless string of them, but none of them are brought up. It's just, yeah, he just, wherever he goes, he wins. He's just got a standard. He plays to it in the ultimate sport with the ultimate level of parity. If you're if you game in that sport, you're out. He's turned up and done it for 22 years, I think it is now, and he's just the best there ever was. I think we've discussed it before on this podcast. We talked about it, I think, after he won the Super Bowl last year. Uh, is there a comparison? There's not really. It's really tough to draw a comparison. If you're comparing seven to the numbers over here, you've got Michael Tuck, who won seven. You know, the Hawthorne team who just kept winning and winning and winning and winning. And, you know, make of that what you will. Albert Collier and Harry Collier, I presume they were brothers, but they both won six. Barassi won six, Frank Adams won six, like, you know, these are a few names I know. Now we're into the five, Dipper, Gary Ayres, Brereton, uh, Charlie Hammond, Brighton, like some a lot of these names I don't know. KB's on there. The only one that I think could come close, who all, because you've got to think, it's not just winning them, it's also the numbers. 
and it really doesn't compare because I'm going back to the 20s and 30s. He's Gordon Coventry because he's got five. He's kicked 12, 99 goals. He's played in that Collingwood team that won four in a row. But it, it's it's not an app comparison. It's the only one I can see that sort of stands out. In the modern era, you've only got players of one four. Like that's that's not the same. It's really not the same. And then a lot of them are on. Effectively, they're all play for Hawthorne, um, or play or you know Burgoyne won one with Port and then played for Hawthorne and won three. It's not the same because that that. It's such a team, whereas in the NFL, it all depended on Brady. Everything depended on Brady, those wins. If he wasn't there doing that, completely different story. But if you look at it, you know, if Bergwijn wasn't there in some of those finals, they would have won them. Some, you contributed massively, but not every single one. So I'd love to know your thoughts. If you think there's someone else who we should be compared to, if you think we shouldn't do comparisons ever, that's fine. You can go and sit in your corner, wait four weeks for the preseason games to start. I just like doing it. It's a bit of fun, but I couldn't find anyone else who really came close. Lee Matthews, four, kicked a lot of goals, 926 off the top of my head. That's close, but it's not, you know, it's not It's not seven. And the most, the yards, touchdowns, everything else, it's just not like that. So uh, he will be, he'll be remembered. The one thing I would say about Brady and the one thing you just got to try and remember sometimes is even though he did play for a long time, he didn't play forever. And when they're that good, you got to try and appreciate them. You can't just sit there and just, yeah, well, I don't like him. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. There's a guy over in the NBA in LeBron who's doing similar things. He's not not the uh, standout yet or probably won't ever be, but uh, it's LeBron James, of course, for those living under a rock. But you got to appreciate why you got them because when they're gone, you're stuck with other guys. Trust me, I follow North Melbourne. Probably didn't appreciate that run of the 90s as much as I should have. I was a bit young. And uh, now it's been a little bit lean. But you just got to appreciate these sorts of guys. And, you know, I, I think we maligned Gary Ablett for quite a long time without realising he was just that damn good for so long. So, look. They're just a couple of things I noticed comparing, looking at other sports, given there is absolutely nothing going on in the footy world at the moment. Uh, and uh, look, I'm going to leave you to it. We're going to have a nice little short one. I'm sure Tom will be back next week to tell us all about his little holiday. Uh, before I finally finish it up, a couple of birthdays. Happy birthday to my wife, uh, Melissa. Couldn't couldn't thank her enough. Best wife, mother in the world, mother to my two kids. And to number one fan, DJ Broadsword, keep doing what you're doing and I hope you have a better year than I reckon Collingwood will have. I think it's going to be a long one. <laughs>